We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Stephen Hagelin, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting our show. As you know, football season is right around the corner and we could not be more excited. Gone are the days of the dog days of summer where we're talking about breakout chargers and off-season hype and potential Aaron Rodgers trades and the days of the actual football season, the actual nitty-gritty of the Chargers year is upon us. What's also upon us is the return of gambling on your favorite football teams. Of course, you can gamble on other teams as well, but that is your right. We are so proud to announce that we have reached a new partnership with Busser Sportsbook. They are the official sportsbook of the Guilty as Charged podcast. And if you use our link and promo code BUSR.com slash guilty, promo code NFL100FP, you will be able to get a 100% bonus on your first deposit. Again, that is BUSR.com slash guilty and NFL100FP. So if you feel so inclined on betting on Brandon Staley's Coach of the Year odds, and you place a bet, BUSR will match your bet 100% for your first deposit. This is a huge, huge steal. So we invite everybody to please go and support our new partner, Busser Sportsbook. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Art Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am your host. I'm joined as always by my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good and I've been looking through Twitter. Uh, I just searched Pipkins on Twitter for <laughs> old uh, Pipkins highlights, I guess. Uh, and I found some from Steven posting on the GAC account yes. and I found all kinds of stuff and it's just like... Man, it's been a journey the last uh, month of Pipkins. It really has. Eh? And apparently he can only block uh, Frank Clark and nobody Clark. else. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I honestly like two of his best games were last year, week two against the Chiefs, and then Mexico City, his rookie season against the Chiefs and Frank Clark. So very weird, uh, very coincidental. Um, Tyler is here as well. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I'm still happy and optimistic because I did not go through and watch Pipkin's highlights or lowlights <laughs> for whatever compelled you to do that. Have at it. But I didn't do that. So I'm feeling much better. 
Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Trey Pipkins potentially uh, on Sunday. On Sunday, we're going to react to the Seahawks and Chargers game, and we'll also be doing our roster predictions that day. Today, however, we're going to talk about some of the Chargers news and notes from practice. Of course, they cut down their roster from 85 players to 80. Uh, We're also going to talk about the Denver Broncos officially deciding on their starting quarterback, as well as previewing the Seahawks and Chargers game. So let's start off with reacting to the Chargers roster cuts. Um, Let me make sure this right. They had to cut 85. They had to go from 85 to 80. And the players that they cut were long snapper Ryan Langan. Uh, So definitely distraught about that one. Uh, wide receiver Austin Prohl, tight end Matt Seibert, the poor guy who's been cut twice in the last week, and then offensive lineman Kyle Spaulding. They also waived Damon Lloyd and defensive lineman Chris Okoye, who were waived with injury designations, and then they were able to activate Nasir Adderley off of the COVID list. So uh, obviously I think the biggest one to talk about there is Austin Prohl. For various, for a variety of reasons, but most, you know, mostly because it seemed like he, at one point, was the leader in the clubhouse for the punt returner and kick kick returner positions. Um, Tyler has talked several times about his performances on the field as well as his connection with the backup quarterbacks. Um, but Alex, we'll start with you. What is your reaction to uh, the Chargers cutting Austin Prohl? Yeah, um, so when he didn't play on Saturday, I sort of thought it could be a they've seen enough situation, whether that was positively or negatively. Um, And then it comes out that he was injured, and it seems like that's really the basis for uh, the cut itself. Um, Now, I don't know whether if Austin Pro was healthy, whether he would have beaten out KJ Hill or, you know, what would have happened. Um, But, you know, this injury happened. And unfortunately, now that he's cut, we're not going to really know like how severe it is. Um, I would assume because they're cutting him, it was probably pretty severe. Um, You know, I don't know if it was season ending, but if he was going to be out for an extended period of time, then from the Chargers standpoint, it kind of did make sense to go on with KJ Hill. Uh, as sort of the punt returner, even though, you know, in the last couple preseason games, we have not seen much from KJ Hill, either as a punt returner or a receiver. Um, So, you know, it's disappointing. And also, you know, it kind of puts into perspective, you know, hey, you can have two great weeks of training camp and then also just get cut, right, with one injury. So the margins are really slim in that regard. Um, I would have liked to have seen a chance uh, of what he would have done maybe against the Niners or stuff like that. But yeah, uh, I, I can't say I'm too surprised uh, considering they followed up and said it was because of injury. Um, but I don't know how, you know, the competition would have fared out either way. Can you clarify for me? I know, I know that Popper said the injury and whatever, but was that ever actually clarified or no confirmed <laughs> that's that's the thing no. well popper said it was because of injury but we don't know again how severe that injury right. was or anything like that so yeah and yeah. apparently he posted on his instagram story yeah. uh about some kind of injury we don't really know mm-hmm. um no one specified what kind of injury that is but i mean if that's why that's i mean that that sucks to get cut like that because unless it's a serious injury you would think that he would still have you know, this week of practice and potentially the Seahawks game to play and, and kind of give a a final impression. Yeah. That's the part I don't understand. I I wish it was clarified a little bit sooner than later, because I don't know what kind of injury he had. Like I'm, 
I don't know. It's very it's, the whole thing was so confusing for me, and uh, the whole KJ Hill thing is weird. So Austin Prohl, in my opinion, should have had this job, and I don't think, based on what I watched, that it was particularly close. Um, it sounds like KJ Hill did turn it on the last week, week and a half of practice, and I just didn't see that because I wasn't there. So you know, Popper says KJ Hill kind of has that spot a little bit more locked down than we originally believed, but I don't know. It's so strange to go through this whole situation, see Pro be cut, but sort of because of an injury. I don't know if potentially he was injured leading up to that. And then technically he would have been cleared this week and then they cut him. So they didn't have the injury designation. Yeah. What? But then why wouldn't you keep him? So yeah, I don't really understand what the thought process was there. I just that, don't get, go for it, Alex. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah. So the, the official injury designations were given to Damon Lloyd and uh, Chris Coye. So mm-hmm. Austin Prohl, even though he was cut, didn't receive that injury uh, designation, like you said. Yeah, so strange. And, and the thing is, too, they were preparing for this because when I was watching the Rams game, I was wondering, why is Tyron Johnson catching the quick screens? Why is he catching the quick passes? You know, why is Tyron Johnson sort of taking that Austin Pro role? And I was wondering, like, maybe just you know, Pro was going in the second half and he just didn't get that. But it looks like ever since at least the Rams week, they were trying to phase Austin Pro out of this offense and let Tyron Johnson do that. Then you watch him against the Niners and you're wondering, you know, why is Tyron Johnson, the guy who's catching nothing but deep balls from Justin Herbert, why is he taking dump offs and quick screens and getting killed by Chase Daniel? Like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. And it's because it, it seems like they've been trying to phase Austin Prohl out. And so I really don't get it. I don't get why you cut him. The kick return, or the, excuse me, the punt return job, and technically the kick return job, even though that should be Nasir Adderley, the punt return job is not solidified at the least. Like, for whatever reason, KJ Hill, I know we've talked about this, but I got to say it again. He caught the ball at the five, got three yards, went nowhere, and then you know, it caused the safety, not caused the safety, but it certainly set up that safety and put the team in bad field position. So, you know, a guy who's not that fast, not super athletic, who, you know, probably has good hands. Like he's not going to jeopardize the punt return team. It sounds like he's just always going to have the ball and get as much as he can, but to cut pole so early and he's injured, not injured. I don't know. The situation needs more clarification, but for right now, I I don't feel good about the Austin pole cut at all. And it even feels like to me that Chase Daniel has kind of suffered for it and even season stick because they really needed Austin Pearl out there, in my opinion. Yeah. What's weird about the whole thing, too, is that like after the first week or so, because initially it was KJ Hill, Prohl, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton were all mm-hmm. getting reps as a punt returner. And then after a few practices, it was only Hill and Prohl. And at the two yeah. practices that I was at, it was only Hill and Prohl. And then mm-hmm. You know, Ryan Dyrud, friend of the show, and, you know, LEFB uh, CEO kept on saying that it was only Hill and Prohl throughout the practices. And Daniel Popper said the same thing. And so I guess I understand the decision to cut Prohl to a point if KJ Hill has cemented his status. But then, you know, you, know, you mentioned the return at the five. Then Jalen Guyton gets a rep as a punt returner. <laughs> then Michael Bandy gets a rep as a punt yeah. returner. So to me, that just adds more confusion to the decision because if KJ Hill had this spot locked up, then to me, he should have gotten every single rep in that game. Mm-hmm. And he got uh, the first kick return too. And then it was Larry Roundtree. So yeah, I'm mm-hmm. just Good really point. confused about the plan. Like it, it, on paper, it seems like it's Hill's job, but their patterns and substitution patterns from Sunday Tell me that it's not his job, that it's still up in the air. 
Um, of course, if you haven't seen the mic'd up video of Jalen Guyton, I thought it was hilarious how he was like super nervous to go back and return a punt in a game because oh, I was geez. super nervous. And I think oh, yeah. Twitter was super nervous. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if Jalen Guyton can figure out how to secure the catch, he's obviously, you know, gives you more juice after the catch. So if that's the solution, that's great because that's what we've been wanting all along for someone that actually contributes to be the punt returner. So maybe that's the solution, I guess, is, is Jalen Guyton doing it. I, I still have my question marks there because, you know, how can you not about a player who, you know, led the league in drop percentage last year, granted in a much smaller, you know, uh, workload than other players. But I don't know, man, like this is really the first time where I just like, I don't understand the plan of this coaching staff for the returner situation. The only other hope, I guess, that I could add is that this just wouldn't make any sense, though. The only other hope I could add is that they actually have it kind of figured out. So they're just letting KJ Hill rock. But then that wouldn't make any sense because that's just a giant waste. I don't know. The whole thing is very, very strange because everything feels so evenly competitive with different defensive line rotations. Hell, with the quarterbacks, even though I'm 99% positive Chase Daniels is a backup quarterback and that they know that. But that's still at least a competition. For whatever reason, KJ Hill just getting the, everything, all the reps, all the targets, and the return job, I, it doesn't sit right with me. It's it's very, very strange. So, you know, I'll wait and see what's going on because we do have another preseason game. We have a yeah. week, and we have the actual game. But it, it's the first time I've really had a question mark for this coaching staff. Um, and I'm just surprised Michael Bandy is still on the team, uh, but Prol isn't. Yeah. Like, that's a little bit of a question mark for me past the second series of cuts. Um, so, you know, I'll be interested to see how they utilize Michael Bandy because he's going to play in that third preseason game. And uh, I don't think he'll make the roster, but uh, I certainly wouldn't have predicted that he would have made, you know, two cuts in already. Yeah. And it, it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens this week because Jason Moore apparently is hurt uh, as well. We don't really know the extent of, you know, that injury, no one's really asked about it. So I, I hope we get some clarity there. But if more is hurt, parole is gone, then KJ Hill's making the roster. Like he he's walking yeah. into a spot because I think we all kind of assume that they're going to carry six receivers. Um, maybe they don't if Jason Moore is hurt and they don't feel good enough about KJ Hill. But I, I'm just, it, it's been a confusing week for the wide receiver position for sure. I guess the only reason Bandy's sticking around is because they have no other receivers, right? So who's hurt? Williams is hurt. Moore's hurt. Prohl's hurt, but he's out. Guyton had his leg banged up, right? Oh, yeah. Prohl's I guess got hurt yesterday. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, uh, he's he's going to stick around. I mean, he could be the last guy standing at this rate. Yeah. Um, the other roster cuts were not super surprising. No. Um, I think at this point, Matt Overton is probably going to be the long snapper this year, uh, which is, is a crazy turn of events. I don't know what's going on with Cole Maza, but um, I don't think they would have cut Ryan Langan if they didn't feel really good about uh, Matt Overton and Daniel mm -hmm. Popper pointed out, of course, none of us noticed cause it's a long snapper, but Daniel Popper pointed out that Matt Overton got every single snap against uh, the 49ers on wow. Sunday, which were a lot. Uh, apparently Ryan Langan had two snaps over the head of Ty Long, one as a as a uh, field goal kick and another one as a punt. Mm. So um, unfortunately for uh, the Georgia State hype video, it did not last very long. 
Um, and then the other one, the tight end is is you know that's not really surprising. They still have Hunter Camp Moyer right. and Matt Sokol to kind of you know challenge potentially for those other spots. And then Kyle Spalding, I was kind of intrigued by him out of San Diego State, the offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, but in like 18 snaps this preseason, he's given up like six pressures. So unfortunately Jeez. for him, just you know, not a uh, very good player. Um, and then you know, we'll have to see what happens. I'm not hopeful, but I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Darius Harper, the undrafted mm-hmm. free agent out of Cincinnati, does this week. Uh, because I think he's someone that intrigues me to the point of potentially keeping him on the practice squad. Um, has an RES score very similar to Trey Pipkins. Unfortunately, he has a lot hmm. of the same issues as Trey Pipkins. Uh, but we'll have to cross <laughs> that board when we get there. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's uh, it's really interesting, I guess, that Kyle Spaulding, I, I guess, made it this far. Because I don't know, he, he looked pretty bad against the Niners. And of course, when you're... Yeah. Uh, tied for pressures with Pipkins. That's uh, never a good sign. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he may be the next one to go. Who knows? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, you know, other than Prol, I don't think there was a terribly surprising cut. But I would say, yeah. again, the, the surprising make to this point for me would have to be Michael Bandy. And uh, I would say uh, Willie Yarbury getting there is surprising. I did not expect him to have the game against the Niners that he had where he had those three run stops in the second half and looked good. So maybe he's just kind of a sleeper, you know, DL contender or, you know, a guy that's going to end up maybe on the practice squad. What are the odds, just because I'm thinking of it, what are the odds that, so Seibert, Seibert got cut, then he returned to the team and he got cut again? Yeah. Yeah. So they cut him initially last week when they had to get down to 85, Mm -hmm. and then they brought him back because Parham was hurt and Neighbors was hurt. So they needed, you know, that Uh, extra body. Okay. So that's why Steven Anderson was getting a lot of fullback reps. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, Trey McKitty uh, was kind of, you know, getting more passing reps, which was good to see. Um, yeah. And then Sokol and Cyber kind of handled the the second half, really about the third quarter on. Okay. Because I'm just wondering if they'll bring, if they could, I don't know. Again, I don't know why they would have cut him, but I, I'm curious if they could bring back Prol in the same capacity because the receivers in front of him are hurt. So why not bring up Prol again? But, I don't know. I think the ship has sailed. I think if you cut him, it's kind of over, right? Yeah, they would have to cut someone else to make room. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that they had to cut six players this time was because they had to activate Nasir Adderley off of the COVID list. Mm-hmm. So I know there was some confusion about, you know, was he vaccinated or not? We don't really know. Um, but given the fact that he is back on the roster basically three days later, I have to assume that he is. Um, and we also heard from Tom Pel- Pelissero that there was one positive test one close contact so process of elimination you know it looks like Nasir Adderley was a close contact and is back on Mm -hmm. the team so that also means that once Ryan Smith is activated they have to cut someone else um so it it looks like he was the positive test again we don't really know the extent uh, or how he's doing so that's something to monitor too just more uh damage if you will for Ryan Smith who's been injured now he's on the COVID list so him and Justin Jackson, man. Mm-hmm. Two peas in a pod, unfortunately. Jeez. Ugh. All right. So uh, the other thing I wanted to point out before we move on to the Denver Broncos, I, I thought one comment in particular from Brandon Staley was pretty interesting, uh, and that was about the defensive tackle group. Um, we've all kind of assumed that maybe Christian Covington is Linbaugh Joseph's backup, 
and that's kind of his role. And and you know we can you know make assumptions from there. Uh, but Brandon Staley said that Braden Fajoko and uh, Forrest Merrill are kind of the typical nose tackle types that they look for. And Christian Covington is more of a three technique or four technique. So right. that is definitely something to keep in mind for people's roster predictions. Um, I feel like Christian Covington has played very well. I feel like Cortez Brown has played very well. And I feel like Fajoko and Merrill have played really well in the preseason. So um, that defensive tackle group, it really is and has been the hottest and you know most heated position battle so far, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tough decision to kind of figure out who to cut there. We've been talking about um, Christian, uh, obviously Christian Covington's not going to get cut, but we've talked about Cortez Brown, we've talked about Braden Fajoko, we talked about all those guys. And it's really tough to see which one um, you're going to cut because I think they've all showed flashes this preseason along with Joe Gaziano, uh, who I think has kind yeah. of been buzzing around every play. Yep. And it's always there. Um, so, you know, and then Willie Arbery has three run stops in the second half. So it's like, right. you know, pick and choose. I mean, I guess it's good that they're deep in that position, you know, on some level. Um, haven't seen Jerry Tillery play, but that is what it is. Uh, so I'd be kind of curious just to, you know, see what he would have, uh, if anything. But, uh, yeah, no, so I think you got all those guys uh, competing for spots. I would personally still put Broughton uh, ahead of a Fajoko or ahead of, you know, some of the other guys there. Um, but it'll be interesting because I think Fajoko and Merrill definitely warrant something. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that they were kind of stuck on the practice squad again or one of them making the roster um, for sure. Like, it, it wouldn't surprise me other than, I think, Broughton making the roster plus – this is also what Tyler talks about whenever we talk about having two quarterbacks versus three quarterbacks. It's like, hey, you yeah. can keep one more of those defensive linemen, right? If you do cut stick or cut Daniel or whoever loses the QB2 job. Um, so to me, that's going to be the interesting thing to watch. Um, I, I do still think Covington is kind of the traditional rotational player, though. Um, yeah. I, I don't really see... I mean, I think Fajoko is definitely a nose tackle. <laughs> so is Merrill. Sure. But, but I actually think Covington has more of that versatility, right? Like, I don't think right. Covington can only be a uh, Linval Joseph rotating in guy. Like, I think he's somebody that can rotate in for Jerry Tillery. I think he's somebody that can rotate in for Justin Jones, right? If the situation calls for that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think he's all across the line. So, But I, I do would still have him as, you know, if we're layering this out like a depth chart he's the fourth DT in that group. Uh, so to me, that does mean he's the rotational tackle, even though he's not Linval Joseph's replacement, right? Um, or to come in for some snaps. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's just what I would say about that. But uh, I do think Fahoko and really all those guys have been playing their asses off this preseason and have justified, you know, potentially making a spot. I don't want to say I was wrong just yet because they have not played in the NFL or they just haven't played many snaps, but I really wanted them to take an interior defensive lineman, and I thought it'd be a real problem if they didn't take an interior defensive lineman. It could still yeah. be a problem when Linval Joseph goes down because things are very different in the preseason than the regular season. But so far, like that, they have all proved me wrong. I did not expect this yeah. battle to be as competitive as it is. Y you can keep 10 defensive tackles, and I'd say, yeah, they deserve it. Everybody deserves to make the roster, but the comments were very interesting. Uh, I think at this point because you there's no way you can let Broughton go obviously you're not letting Covington go but neither of those guys are going to back up like as an actual true backup to Limbaugh Joseph 
I think you got to keep Fahoko or Merrill. I don't know which one they would go for. I think both have been sort of equally productive, but I do think that the experience with Fahoko will weigh out. But I know it's a very tough one. And then I'd be curious to see how long some of these injuries linger for because, you know, if Ogbong Bamiga is hurt and that's going to keep him out for a while, then they're just going to roll with four linebackers kind of like we thought. And I think Fahoko makes the team. We'll talk about roster predictions probably after the, the Seahawks preseason game. But yeah. Uh, very interesting so far. Very interesting comment. I'm glad he was able to. I mean, I kind of figured Fahoko was the guy who would sort of back up Joseph, but it's nice to get that clarification to have that those two sort of positions parsed out so we know how to build our roster predictions moving forward. And it'll be a good battle. Like, I can't believe that I'm saying that, but it's it's truly really fun to watch the interior defensive line group yeah. from the first quarter to the last quarter. Everyone is, their hair's on fire and they're playing amazing. So I can't wait to watch it on sun- Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. Pacific, I think, or whatever it is. I don't know. It's a super Tell late me. game. What's that in uh, foreign country time, Alex? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm still in Eastern time. That that will only change. Uh, <laughs> that only when, change when daylight savings time happens. And then I will be four hours ahead because oh you know, international waters don't recognize that uh, daylight savings time. It's ridiculous that the U.S. still has it. But uh, I know. So, yeah, that'll be fun to start a 8 p.m. Sunday night football game or something like that at 9. That'll be great. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun for you for sure. Um, but, yeah, like the defensive tackle one is – it's been a lot of fun to watch, and it's been a pleasant surprise to watch all of those players. Um, so it's kind of like I wish Tillery and Jones had, like, gotten some reps. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, you know, those reps are proving invaluable for Brayden Fajoko and Forrest Merrill. Um, I didn't initially notice this, but um, Forrest Merrill was actually rotating in with the first team defense on the second drive. I didn't see him on the first drive, but on the second drive, he was rotating in with Christian Covington and uh, Brayden Fajoko. So, I mean, he's he's clearly clearly making a mark on this team. I think the battle between him and Brayden Fajoko really is going to come down to just consistency and frankly how they play in this next game against the Seahawks. Like I think I personally am leaning towards them keeping six defensive tackles um, because I think it's just tough. Like I I think we've had the same kind of conversation about the tight ends, like the way that Steven Anderson has played and the way that Cortez Broughton have played, like I'm finding a spot for them and dealing Mm -hmm. with whatever else I have to, like if I have to carry four linebackers or three running backs or two quarterbacks, like, I think you have to make those decisions because I think Cortez Brown and Steven Anderson just bring too much value. Like the way that I know Brown didn't play against the Rams, but the way that he played against the Niners was so good. He is explosive. You know, we saw a little bit of the mic'd up reaction. I'm glad that someone else, you know, it was kind of pointed that out, he had a great run stop. And then he had that force sack that Fakro cleaned up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things I noticed about that particular play is that he went for the ball first. Like he was trying mm-hmm. to cause a fumble mm-hmm. first. And, you know, I love to see those little details. I love to see the way that he's hustling down the field and making plays. And like, he's a dis- disruptive explosive force. And, you know, it's just been good to see because we haven't really seen much of him at all on the field. And now that he's finally getting his chance, it looks like he, it looks like he's really taking that next step. So I'm finding a spot for him somewhere, somehow. And I hope the chargers are doing the same thing as well. Yep. All right, so let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Uh, of course, you know, we wouldn't be talking about a quarterback battle for many other teams, but the Broncos are in the division, so it is obviously noteworthy. 
Um, we had Zach Stevens on our show a couple weeks ago uh, before the first preseason game, I believe, mm-hmm. against the Vikings, where Drew Locke kind of had that explosion, uh, had a couple 80-yard touchdowns to K.J. Hamler. And before then, Zach Stevens kind of felt like it was Teddy's job to lose. Of course, not very surprising. Vic Vangio, defensive coach, very old school. Uh, and those coaches tend to favor the quarterbacks who turn the ball over less. Uh, and that, of course, is Teddy Bridgewater. Apparently, uh, Zach Stevens had also kind of seen that they were kind of putting training wheels, so to speak, on Drew Locke. They weren't letting him be his former gunslinger self, as he likes to call himself. Um, so it, it just kind of seemed like it was Teddy's job to lose from the start. Um, so, Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. What's kind of your general reaction there? And I guess, like, what's your overall evaluation of? the Broncos offense with Teddy as opposed to Drew Locke at quarterback. Yeah, the conversation with Zach Stevens, and please go watch it. Obviously, we know what the decision was now, but it's interesting to hear that Drew Locke was trying to, which is good, rein in his interceptions and not be such a turnover machine. But at the same time, it was limiting his explosive potential. Of course, in the preseason game, he had those plays, but it sounded like he was trying to, again, as a smart quarterback should, cut down on his interceptions, but also maybe a little bit too much. So I'm actually, it's kind of funny that he tried to be more conservative, whereas it sounds like based on Zach, your conversation with Zach, that Bridgewater was actually trying to be more explosive and show that, Hey, yes, I can take care of the football, but I can also push this thing down the field. I can take some chance throws and whatnot. And so it actually seems like it almost backfired on drew Locke to be more conservative and Bridgewater trying to go for it a little bit more. Again, haven't watched a practice. Don't care about this team outside of this conversation. Really? But it sounds like, you know, Bridgewater's decision to try to be more aggressive paid off. So that's very interesting. Um, I don't know. It, it's so tough because I was so pro Tyron Taylor last season because I didn't think Herbert would be ready. And so Tyron Taylor, while he wouldn't, you know, be an explosive passer by any means, the defense was supposed to be as good as it was. And we saw the glimpse of how good the defense could be when it was healthy in those first two weeks. And then the wheels fell off. But, you know, I thought Tyrod Taylor could carry this team to just enough wins. And that Denver defense is going to be really freaking good. And it sounds like they added yeah. so many players to their secondary that they're going to go going more dime now these days. Uh, Vic Pangio, it sounds like in his late years in the league, is trying to change up his defense to best suit his players, which, of yeah. course, is awesome and then sucks for the rest of us who have to watch them play the Broncos. Um, but I don't know. The, the start, first of all, the starting quarterback should have been Justin Fields. Just going to get that out of the way. I get that y'all want to go with your Patrick Sertan, and he's looked great apparently, but come on, man. Um, as far as the Broncos go, like, I don't know, like Bridgewater didn't really do all that great against the, the Chargers in that last matchup like when he was with the Panthers last season. I wasn't super impressed. There's, you know, there's some athletic ability, some running and stuff like that, but I don't know. It's tough. I, for me, it was always, you know, the Broncos will only go so far as their quarterback. And I guess in some sense, Bridgewater scoring 20 points a game, 23 points a game. It might be enough for them to win, you know, go 500 or eight and nine or whatever, possibly. Yeah. But you, you just, you can't, they will kind of be in that purgatory. Well, they'll never take that next step where even though, you know, the Chargers may not be as talented on defense, they can do just enough to hold them for Herbert to just get that one more touchdown that Bridgewater just can't get. And so, you know, while I'm more terrified of the Broncos defense than their offense, you know, I don't, although Javante Williams looks great. So that does concern me a little bit. Williams is 
killing people on pass protection. He's running hard yeah. as he always has. Um, so I'm a little nervous, but I guess I'm, mm, I don't know. The def- the Chargers defense is so opportunistic, right? Because against the Niners, even though the throws, like they didn't really create thrown interceptions. As soon as there was a ball to pick off or a fumble to recover, they got it. Like two, two interceptions that were high or two throws that were high picked off the butt fumble thing. Got it. And so taking advantage of Drew Locke, like that would be great. Whereas Teddy Bridgewater, more conservative, supposedly. Um, I don't know. But either way, I'm not too scared of the Broncos offense outside of Devontae Williams. And but I think this is the right decision. So, I mean, I think it's the right decision. But also, I would still bet a pretty decent chunk of change that Drew Locke is going to play at some point this season. Like, this reminds me a lot of the Bears last year where they were like, yeah, Trubisky's our guy. And then Trubisky had three mediocre mm-hmm. games. And then the bad Falcons won. And then, oh, Nick Foles is in. Right. And then they kind of went back yeah. and forth with that for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wouldn't be surprised if Teddy Bridgewater has like two or three mediocre games to start, a bad fourth game, something like that. And then we have Drew Locke suddenly back in the equation. Um, And plus, you know, so I I kind of wreck with this, you know, a little bit Uh, with Drew Locke. I mean, I do think he gives you that deep ball opportunity and is too risky. Um, But Teddy Bridgewater, if you actually look at his numbers the past couple of years, like hasn't been the most safe quarterback either. You know, I think he had like 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year, which isn't exactly like a two to one ratio. Uh, his mm-hmm. best season in Minnesota, he was 14 and nine in terms of touchdown interception ratio. So like, you know, I, I do think he's safer than Locke. So if the coaching staff use it as, okay, well, Locke will throw 18 touchdowns and 15 interceptions and we'll have Teddy throw 18 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, right? There is a <laughs> difference there to make, but like, yeah. you know, I, I don't think he's been the most efficient quarterback in the league. But again, I think with the weapons that he has there, there's at least something you can do. Um, so it, it'll be kind of interesting to see how they do that. But um, it, when when's the first game against the Broncos? I, I actually forgot. It's like it's later in the year, right? It's not early. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, not in the first four or five weeks. Um, so, you know, the the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is named the starting quarterback now, I think will be an interesting point, but I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Locke is in by the time, you know, they play the chargers. <laughs> it really wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, yeah, and so, so the game, sorry, the game in Denver is uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, November 28th. Oh, wow. And then uh, week 17 in, in LA, they play the Broncos again on January 2nd. Yeah, um, so that, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out um, in terms of the quarterback competition to that point. Um, I think, like Tyler said, you know, they probably should have gone for a uh, quarterback this year, whether that was Justin Fields or Mac Jones or somebody else uh, to yeah. sort of, you know, boost that up. But, it, you know, Big Fangio is a defensive coach and it was a first year GM. So they decided not to uh, and punted on that. Uh, that may come back to haunt them. Don't know. Uh, but it's an interesting quarterback competition because like I see what Broncos fans do see when they look at Drew Locke, which is like, okay, if this guy just fixes this one thing, right. He can be not Justin Herbert or Josh Allen, but he can probably be like a tier below that. Right. As a, you know, top 15 kind of guy in terms of potential. Right. Um, But he's just never fixed that issue. Right. And there's a decent sample size on Drew Locke at this point. He's played, I I would guess, 20 games. I don't know exactly. Um, So we've seen enough of him to know what he is. Uh, 
but yeah, it's just really going to be interesting to watch, obviously. But I, I don't take this as a final result. And Benjamin Albright's kind of been all over it with, you know, the fact that he thinks that Locke should be starting. Uh, so yeah. it's been interesting to follow that. Uh, so there's sort of that internal Locke Bridgewater war, um, you know. So this is the first kind of like real quarterback competition, obviously, for the Broncos in a while. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out during the season. It just like, I mean, thank you for not taking Justin Fields, first of all, but it, it just feels like such a waste. Like they have so many good players on that team. Such you know, a waste. I know we all kind of hate Melvin Gordon, but like in terms of being a starter or, you know, backup eventually to Javante Williams, like that's a great backup running back. Oh, and then you have yeah. all the receivers, you have Noah Fant, you have Alberto, and then you have all the players on the defense. Like they legitimately have, like outside of the quarterback position, if you take the quarterback out, they have like a top five roster, in my opinion. It's just the quarterback position is so, so bad. And, you know, so I I love Patrick Sertan. Like, even though I had JC Horn over him, like Sertan's going to be a great corner in this league. I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just like such a waste. And you would think the Broncos of all teams would like value – drafting a quarterback and hitting on that quarterback at this point because you know it was Peyton of course who had a couple of great seasons and then he was bad and Osweiler was bad and Paxton Lynch was bad and then it was Case Keenum and it was Joe Flacco and now it's doing the same thing with, with Teddy Bridgewater yeah. so I don't know man like I'm not super scared of the Broncos I think they'll be in every single game because that defense is so so good and mm-hmm. so deep at every position but like I just think in the NFL, in the current NFL, you have to have a legitimate quarterback to be a contending level team. And you know, freaking Dan Orlovsky went on NFL Live and declared them, you know, potential Super Bowl contender dark horse with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. And it's like that's just not the state of the NFL. Like you have to have a dude at quarterback or an elite offensive coach and they don't have either of those so yeah good point it's gonna be tough sledding against the broncos for sure but in terms of them like challenging the chiefs uh, i'm not super worried shout out to colin cowherd for declaring drew lock a dark horse (laughs) mvp candidate back in june fuck you oh my gosh so funny because he hates drew lock now like he cannot stand (laughs) like he ever since lock was like dancing on the sideline like colin has such weird standards for who he's a he's a he's a backwards hat kind of guy but you know teddy bridgewater brings (laughs) teddy bridgewater brings his lunch pail to work and you know blue collar right but man it's so funny i'm so glad you shared that video today of of Colin, you know, declaring Drew Locke a dark horse and then in the same year starts hating on him. Hey, just um, quick, it, like, random news. The Chargers waived Frederick Smith, yeah. one of their defensive linemen, and then signed linebacker Nate hmm. Evans. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, potentially really bad news for Eamon Ogbong-Mamiga's injury. Mm, good point. Um, Coach Staley said that he had an AC joint sprain and that they would know more on Monday. I don't think anybody asked for an update yesterday uh so hopefully we get one today and of course we won't be able to talk about it um but we will be able to tweet about it so we'll we'll keep everybody posted there um but yeah that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on all right any other thoughts on the broncos before we preview the chargers and seahawks game 
Yeah, sure. That Justin Fields, Javante Williams play action game would have been insane. Yes, it really would have. Really would have. I feel so bad for Justin Fields, man. Could have been in Denver with all those weapons, solid oh. offensive line, and instead he's in the dumpster fire of Chicago right now. <laughs> so sucks that time. But yeah. All right, let's talk about the Chargers and Seahawks game. This is the last preseason game. We've kind of talked about you know starters playing and starters not playing. It seems like other teams are treating this game as this is the undrafted free agent game. Uh, so I would not expect to see Matt Filer, Ode Abushi, Justin Jones, all those guys. I think we'll probably see Uchenna and Wosu and Kyler Fackrell again, frankly, because they just don't have enough bodies. Um, but in terms of other starters playing, it, it maybe Michael Davis doesn't play this time. I was surprised that he played last time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem like many starters are going to be playing. Of course, you know, there's been about 20 players out anyway. Um, so this is going to be a battle of the backups. Tyler, we'll start with you. What are you looking forward to most seeing in this game on Saturday? Well, I don't want to talk about what I'm looking forward to most. Okay. I am so focused on Trey Pipkins, man, and it's going to be a dumpster fire disaster. But I will say this. In his rookie season, he started with two bad games in the preseason. If I'm not mistaken, against the Seahawks, he actually had a very good game and showed that, okay, there's some development here. Now, that was 2019, and now we're still <laughs> praying for this in 2020. Still hoping for the same thing. <laughs> against the backups. Uh, but, like, I got to see something because I have no faith in the tackle depth behind the guys they have right now, yeah. barring switching positions for Hymas or Filer. Like, I am focused on Trey Pipkins because I am hoping there's something there's not really going to be, or at least be so bad that I know how to cut you. I can cut you in the roster prediction so I can be right. Um, but the other thing I want to, I'm really looking forward to is Brendan Hymas. I really want him to continue his hot streak because right now, small sample size, but there, the chargers have two rookies who have a, in true pass sets have a 100% pass blocking efficiency Slater and Hymas, both of them, hundred percent in true pass sets, pass blocking efficiency of hundred, which is crazy. And I believe Hymas yeah. is one of like, three rookies that has that and with over 50 snaps or whatever so i mean i'm i'm really looking for i just hope that he can put it together one more game so we just feel really good about him moving forward because again i think he's been one of the best rookies if not the best really really close behind josh palmer in my opinion just sensational based on where he was drafted i'm so proud of him if you will like and i really hope that he finishes things out really well and i hope that it's a good game rather than a bad game so we're all terrified of what's to come Look at that. Someone else talking about the offensive line first. I love it. Um, <laughs> Alex, what are you most looking forward to this weekend? Before I get to what I'm excited about, I want to let y'all degenerate gamblers know that you can go to BUSR.com slash guilty and use our code NFL100FP if you want to bet on the Chargers. They are a five and a half point dog this week against the Seahawks. So uh, I guess other people watched that Niners game and felt just as bad as about the second half. <laughs> uh, it was really terrible to watch so if you want to watch more quarterbacks uh, slide into buttocks and bet on the chargers you can go to booster.com slash guilty and use code nfl 100 fp and definitely uh, anyway, take the under definitely take the under um so yeah you can uh bet over there but i am really excited to see how the kicking competition plays out i mean that's really the last thing and um I don't know where I am with it at this point. I think this guy now had the chance to slam the door shut. Uh, then he went three for six and then Badgley hit a 50 yard goal. Uh, so 
I don't have confidence in either one of them, but I still think the kicking competition is weirdly open. Um, and I don't know how to feel about that, but uh, hopefully things get settled this week there. Um, I'm really interested to see how they play the wide receivers uh, just because it was weird to see Tyron Johnson in for as long as he was last game, which like gives me some hesitancy as to where he is on this depth chart. I obviously think he'll make the team, but if he's kind of closer to that cut range than we thought, right? Like, I mean, he came out kind of firing in training camp and then suddenly he's, you know, playing the third and fourth quarter. Like it was just a really weird situation. Um, and then obviously more is out. Will he come back? You know, I don't know what the deal is with that. Reed seems like a goner because he's been in a walking boot. Um, so I'll be really interesting to see how they yeah. kind of divvy up those receiver reps. Obviously we'll see some Josh Palmer uh, and some of those, you know, other receivers, I'm sure Guyton will get some action. Um, but it's going to be, you know, really interesting to see how they, uh, kind of focus in on that and, you know, make those final cuts as more a guy, you know, that's going to make it, or, you know, it's Michael Bandy, a weird, you know, wide receiver candidate that can make the <laughs> yeah. roster. I mean, I feel like maybe we have to start talking about that at this point, which is. No, we don't. Weird. Jeez. We're not going to talk about Bandy. Come on. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I don't. What's his number? 36. I'll give you $36. If he makes the active roster. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not making a bet with you because I don't. No, no, I'll just give it to you. It. If he makes the roster, you know, nothing, if he doesn't. Okay. All right. I'll take that. There you go. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's weird that we're just sitting at this point with so much uncertainty really behind the first four, because I feel like we have Keenan and Mike and Palmer and Guyton penciled into their roles, but Tyron being out there was really weird. Um, maybe it was just because of injury, but he's not the guy that I would have played out there because most of us think he should be at least wide receiver three or four. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. And, you know, we've been talking about it this whole time, but defensive tackle, like I want to see all those guys and see which ones kind of make, you know, make plays within the margins to make the roster. Right. Um, Cause if it's down to Fahoko and Broughton and all those other guys that we talked about, I think Gaziano has been really awesome. Like I've said, so, you know, all those guys are kind of coming in on the ball and making plays. Uh, I'll be curious to see which one gets kind of the last say, you know, before the coaching staff has to make these decisions. Yeah, Gaziano actually was playing some edge last week because they were yeah. short on bodies. So um, that was good to see him out there. He's definitely bulked up, uh, added some weight to play inside. But, you know, it's good to know that he can play outside if needed too. So um, I we haven't gotten an update on MK Egbule. I don't know if he is seriously injured or not. That's somebody that I kind of had penciled in as a potential roster spot. Um, you know, we haven't really seen much of him this preseason. Jesse Lemonier has, has looked good. He had a couple of really bad penalties uh, mm-hmm. last week, but Brandon Staley kind of said that he felt like the roughing the passer hit was really kind of BS, it, yeah. you know, kind of felt like. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how the edge rusher rotation shakes out. I Frankly, I, I would love to see Fackrell and Nwosu like barely play. I want to see what mm-hmm. they have really in Lemonier. And um, I forget his first name, but uh, Bellamy, the guy that they signed. And if MK Egble is healthy and playing, like, I want to see these guys. I want to like really get a good glimpse into if that fifth spot for the edge rusher is really something or somebody worth keeping on this active roster or not. Because I think there's a legitimate argument to be had. Like, you can keep the four edge rushers, you know. Chris Rumphrey in the fourth. Uh, haven't gotten an update on him either, but it looked like he was kind of running around on Instagram 
uh, looked at a little bit spry. So we'll see. But um, like if the battle for defensive tackle gets sorted out and you feel like Brayden Foco is a must keep, does that push Emma K. Egbele and Jesse Lemonier off the roster? I think there's a legitimate argument to be had there. And so I think this is a big opportunity for those backup edge rushers to really come in and make an impact. Again, I felt like Lemonier had some really good flashes. He had the sack. He had a couple other pressures. And then I think he had three pressures against the Rams. So those players are, are definitely worth keeping an eye on this week. Did Devin Bellamy play at all against the Niners? I mean, I didn't really yeah. notice yeah. him much. Um, he played. I think he had like 20 snaps. So he didn't mm-hmm. play as much as as uh, Jesse Lemonier. I think Lemonier had about 35 snaps. Um so it was weird because it like Fackrell went in in the third quarter because Lemonier yeah. was tired and they just like didn't have any other bodies. So, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's very weird because I, you know, now that he was just signed, like, I don't know what number he is. So I was just, <laughs> I was kind of looking for Bellamy. I was like, is he in? And no. he played 20 snaps. So I don't know. Missed it. To your point about Tyron Johnson and where he stands, I'm very, very curious to see how many snaps Jalen Guyton gets where Josh Palmer plays, how productive is he? Because I, I really, really think, and I hinted at this kind of way early in the season when we talked about players who could bust or not be as productive as we think, I thought it would be Tyron Johnson because, I don't know, if they didn't know what to do with him or something, but then I, he was so productive to start camp. And some people yeah. I just talked to on Twitter were like, hey, all I saw were these highlights from him. But yeah, that was four weeks ago or whatever it was. It's right. been a while. Then he got hurt, and now he's catching screens for some reason. So... I don't know, man. Like, I'm really curious how this shapes up because for all the talk we had about Palmer and about Johnson, I really do think come week one, it is going to be Guyton. And I know that's not popular. That is was not my first pick. That was probably not my second pick. But yeah. he's kind of been productive. He's very involved in the offense. And he's healthy. And he has some experience. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out because I don't think we're talking about Guyton being wide receiver three enough. And I actually think it's going to happen. Well, to his to his credit, it looks like he has improved significantly as a route runner. Um, I agree. We haven't heard or seen much of his drop issues, but he still is catching with his body. So while it could be less of an issue, I think, you know, we should not be expecting Jalen Guyton to come in and have like two drops instead of 10 or whatever it was. Um, right. But credit to him, man. Like he's improving. Uh, it seems like he's kind of taken on a little bit more of a leadership role, especially with the mm-hmm. younger guys. Um, and it like, I, you kind of pointed this out, but I do expect the wide receiver three quote unquote to be much more of a, a rotation and matchup yeah. based like Josh Palmer, just because he doesn't like come out as the first, the third receiver, the first time doesn't mean right. he's not going to have a role. Like he's going to be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, this team loves him. Brandon Staley said yesterday that they felt like he's been better than they thought he was. Um, they love his work ethic. He's working every day after practice with Justin Herbert, which is fantastic. Mm. So I think Palmer's going to have a big role. I think Guyton's going to have a big role. But I don't know what to make of Tyron Johnson at this point because we all saw the first week and he was the like the best yeah. receiver outside of Keenan Allen and even Mike Williams. So it's been a weird experience for Tyron Johnson. Um and if he plays another 40 snaps this week and Jalen Guyton plays 10 or 12 or whatever he had, like they're telling us by who plays, who they think is where. And it just kind of sucks for Tyron Johnson, but it is what it is. 
I I just can't agree with it. Like, I mean, I think Tyron Johnson oh, yeah, still sure. is the better player. Like, I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, screw the highlights from four weeks ago. Like, what I watched last year. And, like, I think Tyron yeah. was just straight up the better receiver. I know Jalen Guyton had more yards, but that's also because Tyron came in, you know, week four against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? Like, if they kept playing more games, I think it's pretty clear who, you know, the alpha in that wide receiver rotation kind of became um, behind Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely see the talent in Jalen Guyton. Like, it's always been there, but the drops have been an issue, and, like, two preseason games isn't going to make me, you know, overlook some of the other issues that have been in this game. Uh, right. Obviously, he's got to have a role this year, whether he's wide receiver three, four, five. Um, but, you know, I, I just – it's very weird, I think. And I think both the coaching staff and Jalen Guyton will kind of have to sell me on that more before I'm truly comfortable with it. And I don't think he's in danger of being cut by any means. I know there's going to be some people Not wondering about that. But it's just I think his role is going to be smaller. Um, the other situation, which we've talked about this all summer long and unfortunately have not gotten many much clarity at all, is the running back situation. Yeah, um, we were kind of messaging earlier this weekend like we at this point like give Darius Bradwell and Larry Roundtree and Joshua yep. Kelly all equal carries all equal snaps mm-hmm. split it evenly between the three of them because I don't feel like Kelly or Roundtree have done enough to separate themselves from either of them or from Bradwell like this running back situation outside of Austin Eckler is kind of a mess and it really needs to be sorted out I know Roundtree had a, a really good game in week one, and I'm a Roundtree guy. I really believe in his talent. But then this week, it was not very good. Kelly wasn't very good. Kelly also wasn't very good in the first preseason game. So, like, I need to see more out of this running back room. And, of course, part of that is the offensive line. But, like, yeah. I have no idea what to expect of these three players heading into the season in terms of, like, their overall evaluation. And like, this is the last chance. Like you got to prove it on TV. You got to prove it in a game situation that you deserve to make the roster because like the coaches have all talked about it. Like running back is arguably the one position that most needs to be in a game because in practice, they don't get the opportunity to break tackles. So Mm -hmm. the three of these players, like, I, I think this is the biggest game. This is the biggest position to watch in terms of making the roster because I, like, I just have no idea what to make of the three of them. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to keep Roundtree and Kelly and then, you know, uh, cut Bradwell and he's on the practice squad. Like, that's just what I would assume at this sure. point is probably the easy money. Um, as far as how I feel about that, I mean, I think Roundtree, I feel like Roundtree has separated himself from Kelly a little bit, um, you know, just given the special teams play, given the fact that, you know, he did have that first preseason week. Granted, you know, followed up by sort of a bad week too, but still he's kind of been more involved, it feels like, than Joshua Kelly and more noticeable, particularly yeah. in games. Um, and people know I was not the biggest Roundtree fan coming out of the draft. Still kind of am not, but, you know, he's shown some flashes here and there. And Bradwell's really contributed on special teams, right? Like that's his, you know, kind of distinguisher, uh, really, I think from both of them is, you know, his level that he's shown there in these first two preseason games. Um, so my question mark is Kelly, cause I really don't know what to make of him at that point. You know, his numbers weren't great in the first preseason game, but there were some third and one fourth and two kind of situations mm-hmm. where he had to dive, but still like, you know, I think he had like eight carries for 19 yards. Didn't do really much better this week at all. 
Um, so, you know, he is supposed to kind of be short yardage guy, but I also want to see the guy that gets downfield and breaks tackles, right? Because that's oh. sort of the guy that's on that UCLA tape. And that's sort of the guy that we saw at points last year, particularly in the first two, three games of last season. Um, so, you know, I think it's very, uh, very weird that he's just kind of fall not, he's not obviously falling out of the rotation at all. Uh, I think he will still be there, but just, he's been so inactive this preseason, despite being on the field. Uh, and so when you're on the field and also yeah. just not really noticeable, that's something that gets noticed. Yeah. Really quick before Tyler jumps in. Uh, Roundtree was on the first punt team on both sides, and we obviously saw him get uh, that one rep as a kick returner. So I mean, Roundtree is definitely more involved on special teams than Joshua Kelly at this point. Well, that's good to know. Uh, okay, this whole situation stinks. I really even <laughs> hate picking. Like, I'm yeah. even in support in some way of not, not that I want him to be, but I think Joshua Kelly is still RB3. And I didn't like Joshua Kelly. I didn't like based on last season. Everyone wants to point out to the coaching staff and the line. And I get that. But every other running back with the same coaching staff and the same line was more effective. And I get that he's a rookie and there's some, you know, some issues in the fumble and the confidence and all that. But I wasn't a fan of his, but he still hangs in there. So I'd be curious to see if they trot out Roundtree with the, you know, first team on Saturday or if they let Kelly be that, if, if Kelly goes out there again and he's the first running back out there again, and it's clearly him for the first like chunk of snaps until they bring in Roundtree, then I think we kind of have our answer. Uh, but, but man, like some people kind of, okay, I will say that some people kind of not confirmed their bias, but some text, not text, some messages or some tweets that like, oh, you know, Roundtree was clearly better than Kelly on, on Sunday. It's like, guys, it's 1.5 yards per carry and 1.3 yards per carry. Like, I get that there are different things you can look for in different situations, but I don't know why that game people are choosing like, yep, still Roundtree. It's like, nah, you got, come on. Like nothing, they didn't do anything to separate right. themselves in that game, in my opinion. Um, but I really want Bradwell to get the ball. And I can't believe I'm saying that too, <laughs> but let's do it. I mean, no one's separating themselves. And, you know, I don't know what's going on in training camp. I don't know how Bradwell's really looked. But like this situation suits him most in live games with you know contact and everything. I don't know. It, it's such it's such a cluster f. And I wish the Chargers had taken a guy like someone I like, like Kylan Hill, like more of a not that he was yeah. a receiving back his first year. His, and he looks great, by the way. And he looks great. Of course, he looks great. Like you watch him tear up LSU, and he's like, oh my gosh, this is you know a guy who's really committed himself to being a good receiving back. You know, angle routes, screens, you know, whatever you need him to do. And I wish it taken someone like that because then the decision would be so much easy. You roll with, yeah. you know, Kelly because you kind of have to because you sort of need a short yardage guy. But then you can not only, you know, have Eckler, obviously, but you don't have to rely on Jackson so much. You have another receiving back. Yeah. Whereas the other, the other three running backs, none of them are dynamic pass catchers. Kelly just catches passes, but he's not a pass catching receiving running back. He just catches the screens and the easy stuff. You know, and granted, great, do that. If you're good in the open field, fine. But you know, none of these guys are, have any separation in that field. And then Jackson's hurt. And I, it's just a strange, we knew it was a redundant pick when they took Roundtree with Kelly. And then they've, they're basically almost been the same player outside yeah. of Roundtree's really solid first game. They've kind of the same player at this point. And they're still the same player. They've tried to get Kelly more involved in the receiving game. I liked that in the preseason game against the Niners, it looked like they were trying to get Roundtree involved. I believe he had a reception called back as well. Um, 
so we'll see. But uh, give me some more Bradwell because I need to see something else because I think he at least, even if he's maybe not a better running back, he's at least a different running back. And I think the team needs yeah. a different running back than the two that they have leading their RB3 race right now. If and, only there was a guy, maybe, you know, I can't remember his name, Herbert. I don't know. Maybe he was on the board at the time. <laughs> I could have taken him. He seemed to fit all the separation of receiving patterns. I don't know. That's just me being crazy. You just said that you like Larry Roundtree. Now you're going back. No, to no, 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 no. I said I'm warming up to Larry Roundtree. I think he's okay, but they should have still taken Khalil Herbert. I got you. I'm just busting your balls. Um, but I, I think that this is a situation, like, I, I don't think they're going to play, but I really wish that they would play Ode Aboshi and, and Matt Filer this game and Rashawn Slater if he's healthy, because then that will be able to give us, as Coach Saley says, like a more pure evaluation of these players. So give me a couple of drives of, of you know, this, the starters minus Brian Bulaga, and let's really see what these running backs have. Um, I, I will say like at the beginning of training camp, I felt like they were only going to keep three running backs because of this same conversation, because Kelly Roundtree and Bradwell to a lesser extent were all kind of similar, like short yardage yards after contact running backs. But the jo- this is where the Justin Jackson injury, like, you know, it, it makes things more murky because do they place him on IR? Is he healthy for week one? Because if he's not healthy for week one and he's not an IR candidate, then they're probably keeping four. So, you know, we'll have to see what happens there. I, I will say I feel like, you know, the the couple big plays that we saw from Roundtree just have not been plays that we've seen out of Joshua Kelly recently. I felt like, you know, outside of the first two games last year, we haven't really seen any big plays for Kelly. So maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe Roundtree's more of that big, that player who can, you know, take a short gain and bust it for a 20 yard gain. Whereas Kelly's not really that guy. So maybe that's the difference between the two in terms of, you know, gaining ground. But I just need to see one of these players have like a good game. Like, obviously they're not going to have like a hundred yards. Maybe they will. I don't know, but you know, give me like a solid 50, 60 yard performance. Give me a touchdown. And like, I want to see a winner. Like, I don't want to see this just be a situation that lingers on through the season. I want someone to really earn that spot. You know, I, Tyler brings up the fact that 1.5 versus 1.3 isn't much of a difference, but I've seen stick fans running around on Twitter saying 0.05 EPA per play versus <laughs> negative 0.3 EPA per play is a huge deal. So, you know, he had a really great game week two. Yeah, we'll have to Alex, see let it. me help you out here. Uh, not help you out, but uh, Khalil Herbert only on nine carries, averages 5.9 yards per carry and has a touchdown. Wow. I wasn't watching Bears games at all. I don't give a shit about them. But uh, yeah. So Is that, he on the Bears? For... I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know he's on the Bears. Thanks for the propaganda, though, Tyler. You're welcome. <laughs> um, funny that we got all this point without talking about the quarterbacks. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how that sorts itself out. I would imagine, I don't know, who's, who starts at this point. Maybe they go back to Daniel. I would like to see them kind of do first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just so like the talent that they're playing with is, is on a level playing field. Um, but we'll, we'll talk more about the backup quarterback situation after the game, because that yes. is another one that still needs sorting out. Um, yeah, all right, guys, this has been too many dislikes this video. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, again, we don't care who's the backup quarterback, just whoever it is be better than the other I person. Do. 
Okay. Yeah, All I right. kind of do. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't. Um, <laughs> all right. So this has been a good episode, you guys. Any final thoughts, Tyler, before we head out of here? And then Alex after that. If I'm not mistaken, Cardiel Jones in the final preseason game was the first quarterback to go out. So just because Daniel Orstick go out in the final preseason game and they're out first does not necessarily mean that they are the QB2, if you will, because Cardiel Jones went out first, had a great performance, and then they cut him. So I'm, I'm just people are like, oh, my gosh, look who came out first. I'm just saying, hold your horses because Cardell Jones, I'm pretty sure, was the first quarterback out in the last game. Well, and also, you know, I mean, that we've been talking about those kind of overreaction to preseason and camp performances. And then we're like, oh, man, Austin Pro looks awesome. Then he's cut. <laughs> and then we think, oh, Tyron Johnson looks awesome. And he might be wide receiver five. I don't know. Um, so, you know, the preseason and training camp results can be a dime worth a dozen in some places um so yeah that's going to be interesting to watch but uh yeah no i'm still riding over a bolt beat so i'll show that and uh have a great day yeah have a great day everybody thank you so much for tuning in as always we appreciate all the comments all the likes all the reviews uh on if you're listening on the audio platforms we will be going live on sunday after the game of course because the game is super late we don't want to stay up and do a live show uh, so we'll be doing a live show on Sunday, and then we'll also be doing another live show on Tuesday to react to the actual cuts. And, man, we're, we're so close. Uh, college football starts this Saturday. The University of Utah plays on Thursday. And then after that, man, it's, it's all football until January. Can't wait. So excited. And uh, thanks for tuning in, you guys. We'll see you next time. Go BYU. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.